Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Can Happen Here, a podcast increasingly about nurses strikes. And yeah, this is part two of our interview with Nick, a nurse in the UK. Enjoy. We've entered the toffee turvy land where where the the RCN seems to be the people who are like leading on the militancy in this in this front. Where yeah yeah, and I think part of it comes down to is because the RCN was historically for a significant part of the city was not a union, became a union late in the day. For then eight was for ages anti strike. A lot of unions because like we can talk about the general critique of unions and particularly like institutional unions, how they become yeah. service providers, how they build up like a protective bureaucracy against militant struggle or against like grassroots militancy, the RCN, it's not a particularly democratic as these things go, but it doesn't have that kind of built up institutional inertia in the trade union side because historically it hasn't needed it. And that meant, I think it was actually far more susceptible Mm, to grassroots pressure and militancy Mm -hmm. than some of the other more established unions were. And yeah, that, so, uh, oh, sorry. No. And that kind of like was the thin end of the wedge for the RCN to take a very strong stance over the pay rise in response to like grassroots organizing and like a demand from the grassroots to do that, which then resulted in them like bad for strike action first, which then meant other unions had to. And then we got the, and then the cascade of like strikes in the NHS have occurred since then so th- this, this this is this is a very very broad question to be asking but how how have the strikes been going <sighs> that's kind of a difficult one to say <laughs> so scotland for instance has not been called out, has not actually had any strike days because the Scottish government went into negotiations to begin with and then made an offer. It was rejected. Strikes were announced. They made another, agreed to come back to negotiations. 
So like it's been effective in getting something moving in Scotland. Their current offer of 15% over two years, so six something this year, five something next year, is currently being voted on by the RCM membership. It's not it's not a good, but it's a significant movement of what came before. Mm-hmm. Wales, the Welsh government, after saying, no, we can't have any more money, we can't, we literally can't because Westminster controls our budget. Westminster won't give us any more budget to, for this, has now made it an, improve, improve, an, <laughs> offer, an improved offer. It's crap, but it's yeah. like something. It's forced them to shift when they were claiming it was physically impossible for them to do it. Which and every so, single time, like, I, I, I can think of exactly one time ever where I've seen an employer make that demand and it was actually true, <laughs> but this is not like that. That was that was like what Norfolk Southern in like like the 1970s and yeah. it's it was only true once and it's never been true ever since then like yeah. you will hear this from every fucking employer who you attempt to go on track against and they're always lying like every yeah. single time what i will say is like in the case of wales it is very true the welsh government's budget is set by yeah. westminster by the central government so it's a lie but it's a plausible lie yeah and wales is generally massively wales has like some of the highest rates of child poverty outside of Eastern Europe, in Europe. Um, the reasons, part of the reasons for this is because the Welsh government is chronically underfunded. Yeah, yeah. Due to political decisions made in England. But it's still not true. Um, and then in England, like, it's got to the point where a government who are categorically opposed to any negotiations with trade unions have actually come to the negotiating table. So from that, although... I suspect with loads of preconditions that haven't been publicly talked about and they're going to not make a, a credible offer in my view and as a stalling tactic but the fact they even chose mm-hmm. to come to the table at all I hate saying this because it make, it's the kind of thing that makes people complacent but that is actually quite big that the Conservative government actually agreed to do it to come to the negotiating table stopped hiding behind oh there's an independent pay body that decides these things stopped saying it's in we can't afford to fund the NHS anymore as he's just coming and sitting at the table at all to negotiate is like a big move in of itself. Now, if we talk about numbers of participation in strikes, there's been a lot of difficulties, a lot of nowhere near as many people have participated in the strikes as should have been. I will be frank and say. So now we're going to talk about the derogations, the situation of derogations, which is like, the RCN voluntarily saying we will allow this many people to continue working day, these days and these areas in order to maintain patient safety, which is on one hand, we don't want any patients to die. Obviously on the other hand, it's a very easily abused stance to take. And there are just nurses who are in other trade unions who, 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 who aren't in trade unions as well. And ultimately if they want that not to happen, they need to just come to the table earlier and yeah. so this resulted in a process where, so ITU and P, like key, time-sensitive chemo and pediatric A&Es were derogated by default. And then there was an agreement of if the wards had less than like nighttime numbers, we would agree for a small amount of our of our membership to go in to work on those wards to maintain nighttime numbers for the sake of patient safety. But that had to be applied for on a case by case basis. 
But which, there's a couple of problems with this. One, trust just not taking it seriously, lying, not trying to establish these things to make accurate requests, uh, leaving it to the last minute and then asking for blanket derogations. Ah, we don't know if it's going to be safe or not. Managers, like ward managers, not actually knowing what was agreed and to giving incorrect information to their staff, people not understanding what was and wasn't derogated. And just generally, it was a system that was very open to abuse. And so, like, a lot of a lot of things were just left open in general, or, like, that shouldn't have been. But at the same time, I know that it didn't happen in every case, but, like, there was a lot of success in, like, go, members of the strike committee going round wards and saying, no, you're over number, you need to come out, and people doing it of like surgeries being cancelled, like elective surgeries, non-time sensitive surgeries being cancelled due to it, of like really making hospital managers sweat over like proving each thing needed to happen, mm-hmm. they wanted needed to happen those days, all of which built up, even if we didn't get the full amount of people we should have had out on strike on strike, really built up the pressure to significant degrees on them to then put the pressure up the chain of the NHS to the government. It's like, we can't keep on going on like this. And at the same time, each, each set of strikes, the number of people participating did increase. So, like, for instance, I've just got the government statistics from uh, the, the 15th of December, I think it is. So this was the first strike day that was called. It was 9,999 absences due to industrial action. Then on the 20th, it was 11,509. Then on the 18th and 19th of January, and just one important factor, they didn't call all hospitals out at once. Again, I think a mistake, a strategic mistake, should have gone hard, gone hard fast. But Mm -hmm. the the argument was we we don't have the facilities to organise all of this effectively Mm. on all of these massive amounts. Because, like, it was a huge amount of trusts they needed to do that with. Um, but then on those days, it was then 11,363 and 11,219 across those two days. Then in February, it was 15,998. Wow. And then f- and 14 on the second day, 14,000 and then 58 people, which is far lower than it should have been. I can't remember how many people there are, nurses there are on the NHS, like, so I should have had that statistic ready. But it's not an inconsiderate amount. It meant lots of outpatient appointments being cancelled, a lot of surgeries being cancelled, a lot of chaos and stress for the managers of the NHS and therefore for the government are looking really bad for them. And it's a clear upward trajectory, which meant that when the RCN announced, we're going to do two days consecutive, we're, not, we're going to keep it going through the night, which they hadn't done previously, and we're not doing derogations. ITU will be staffed. Nothing. We're not doing anything else. I think no. Even ITU wasn't staffed. We'd consider it on a case by case basis. We won't be considered. What's ITU? Sorry, intensive care ah, ICU okay. for America. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, oh. So and that meant that at that point the government probably like okay, we need to move to a new delaying tactic. They're not just going to give <laughs> up. <laughs> and I think with that, as it went on, like people were itching and itching to go further. And so, for instance, like, A&E was derogated, so, which is the area I work in, 
but like a lot of people and this is reflective of like most areas that were derogated when i spoke to people who weren't them like no we need to be out we need to be out the picket line and like after the first two rounds there was also a growing effort to like try and find out from the membership what the actual situation was so that on like staffing on the wards because all wards are chronically understaffed so when mm-hmm. they said oh well we need this amount of people we say no we know that's a lie we know on nights there's actually only three registered nurses there's not the four you're claiming and stuff like that mm-hmm. which again i think was a really positive move in like embedding a kind of like workers inquiry and workers knowledge about their workplace into the organizing of the strike that had been quite a top-down process mm-hmm. um but yeah and i'm kind of worried about how this delay and break in the strike action will affect that momentum that had been building up i think like to a large degree people are like itching to go again and i think that desire to go again is building as it goes like when it initially happened when these strikes were initially called off there was a lot of like trust like in like the big whatsapp groups and stuff and talk to people there was a lot of like people thinking uh at least i don't know if this was representing general opinion but people being were quite vocal and be saying no we need to trust like pat knows what she's doing they wouldn't have called it off for this things like it's getting more and more of those people being like no we need to we need to go we need to we need to get back on the picket line and there's been a petition that's been going around that's been getting quite a bit of news like setting out some hard lines like for to, to the rnc leadership about what kind of stuff they should accept like saying no we need to stick to the above inflation busting we need to not compromise on this we need to not compromise on this which is i think got 880 signatures at the moment this doesn't sound like a huge amount but like again you're going through quite a lot of inertia of like attitude of like you've got to leave it to the leadership among the membership even when they were unhappy with it and it's only a thousand signatures that are necessary in the rcn's um where the RCM works to call an extraordinary general meeting, which then can do pretty much whatever it wants. And that's how the leadership in 2018 was kicked out after the bad pay deal then. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So yeah. like the RCM, very undemocratic, except for this one particular thing. Yeah. Is, is that, a, is that a normal thing that, is it like a normal thing for unions in the U in the UK or is that just like a most, weird? Most, I think all unions have a amount of people a set amount where if like membership's calling for an extraordinary general meeting, they have to do it. The RCN's one is really low. Interesting. Essentially. The RC- hmm. And like, there were some moves where like people in the RCN least say, Oh, we need to change it. We need to get rid of that. <laughs> and we need, we need to raise it to be more in line with other unions. <laughs> um, but uh, that again is something that will have to, that if that does happen, that kind of change would have to go to like a, a membership wide vote is not something the executive leadership could just impose. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? 
I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture Culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, like, there is a process of, like, these strikes were, like, a result of like increasing general level of militancy with among nurses in general and among NHS workers. And I think particularly because everyone knows it's awful, the situation. Yeah. And then with like a slightly more organized and spear in it that resulted in that, in that um, petition in 2018, arguing for stuff at like Congresses and things. And then that's what active strike has like got the membership feeling like they should have a more active role. And I think it's pushing things in a positive direction, even though I think the RCN leadership has gotten to a point where by mistake, it ended up way ahead of the other unions and it's now trying to back paddle. <laughs> but I don't, I think there's a lot of potential for like more grassroots organized by the membership to prevent that happening. Yeah. We are in a difficult position, though, in that the time is running out. Strike mandates in the UK only last for six months. Mm. We are at 
when the government agreed to negotiations were at two and a half months left of the mandate, it's now two months left of the mandate. You have to give two weeks notice before strike action. Oh, so that's that that that's that's what the sort of like run out the clock strategy is about yeah. on their side. Okay, that makes sense. Exactly. Now, nothing's to stop us from reballoting. Yeah. But it will be a whole process. It has to be a month. You have it has to go through the mail. Yeah. It'll be drawn out. It will buy them a lot more time. Yeah. And also, postal workers, I think, are on strike again today, too. Uh, I think. I, 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 Maybe. I think so. Let me. I've got the strike calendar up on my computer. Let's see who's on like, strike Like an today. absolute fraud. I have it on my other computer, but I don't have it on this one. Yeah. So today's the 15th. Today, Amazon's on strike in Coventry. The BBC's regional services. The civil service. Um, which would kind of be equivalent to like uh, a federal stuff um, in America. So like, for instance, my dad, who's a health and safety inspector, is on strike today. Uh, HMRC, which is the tax office, is on strike. Junior docs is on strike. Ofsted, the school instructors, are on strike. The rail, the two main rail unions are on strike. Teachers on strike and university staff on strike. Not the postal service today. Ah, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess but, I guess I wanted to ask a bit about that too, about sort of just what what's been happening. I don't know what what, what you see is sort of the potential of the, of the broader strikes that have been happening because this is this is a. I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not it's not like a like. It's it's not like a nineteen seventies style like strike wave, but it's it's a lot of strikes for the UK. In the last yeah. sort of decade, it's it's big. Like there isn't the level of cross union cooperation and talks that you would want. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like people turning up to each other's picket lines. There's a lot of like solidarity present, but it's not coalescing into like a into like a um, unified movement, which you'd hope mm-hmm. it to be. Although I do think if something doesn't change it is moving in that direction. And like the conservative government is at like an all time low in its popularity ratings. Yeah. I think, I don't know if you're aware from this quote from Margaret Thatcher about how her main political goal was remaking the soul of Britain. Um, away. Cause like up until that period, there was a very strong trade union movement mm-hmm. in the UK that it had like one of the best social democracy, in the world like comparable to Scandinavia today it was it was far more like a collective attitude in the UK and like Margaret Thatcher's explicit I can't remember the exact quote but explicit project and the project of the Conservative Party at the time let's not put it all on her great woman theory of history is as bad as great man <laughs> theory of history to move the soul the like general social attitude and personality of like people in Britain away from that like orientations like community and collective struggle and action. And there is a part of me that feels like this is a move away from that because like everyone you go to, there's whinging about like an inconvenience caused by a strike, but pretty much everyone is like, yeah, those, they have it. it, It's awful for them. It's all the strike drivers. Good on them for standing up for themselves. Good on the teachers for standing up for themselves. Good on postal workers for standing up for themselves. Good on nurses for standing up for themselves. Like, the amount of like stuff I've been brought by people <laughs> on the picket lines 
has been incredible. It's like I've, each day I've just been like rolling down the hill from my hospital to my house, like with a bloated stomach from like stuff members of the public have brought and dropped off at the picket line. It's, um, it makes me feel like it's, there is, the optimist part of me, it does feel like there is a reorientation in general of British public to like the idea that we don't have to put up with this. Yeah. And you don't have to struggle and try and get it on your own. And like, it's early days yet, but I do see something positive moving in that direction in the UK as a result of this strike wave. Yeah, that's a, that is, <laughs> I don't know, that that is great news from a place that does not usually generate great news. And this yeah. is like the, this is the deeply optimistic part of me. On the other hand, yeah. you have like bad, <laughs> a lot of bad news coming out of the UK yeah. at the moment. Yeah. But, I, but, I, like... This strike wave is good news. It is the fact that it's happening in the NHS in particular, which has been so resistant to industrial action historically, mm-hmm. and also just because of how what a significant part of the economy it is as well. Because, like, it, you know, the NHS is the eighth biggest employer in the world. Wow, like, I didn't know it was in the world. That's that's wild. Yeah, like it used to be like um, the fifth biggest in the world. Wow, it's. it's yeah, it used to only be that the American army, the Chinese army, McDonald's and Walmart were being closed <laughs> in the NHS. Uh, we've been overtaken by Amazon and such now. But, you know, yeah, yeah. And like, like strike action. So like, from like a worker's perspective, like strike action of like the largest section of the workforce, nurses in the NHS, the eighth biggest employer in the world. Mm-hmm. Leaving aside the situation for everything else in the UK, leaving aside their history of the opposition, like the active opposition to the idea of striking within nursing historically in the UK is huge news and something to be hopeful about. And then put in the context of the more broader strike wave in the UK and within the NHS in general, this is huge. And it is a sign, I think, of a positive change and like reorientation towards workplace struggle occurring, I think. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth 
issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I've now heard two different places do this which was i heard this in chile in 2019 and i heard this also on mm-hmm. my picket line at the university of chicago in 2019 which is mm-hmm. i i like i this is this is the place neoliberalism was born and we will kill it here and well, i mean those are the three places like yeah. chile, chicago and the uk yeah i think i think also arguably germany although that has a whole other the, yeah. the Ordo Libs are, uh, I don't it's, know. It's a we'll, dick. We'll I, the I, think the one Ordo, like, I think Ordo Libs, from my understanding of it, from listening to some things about it years ago, it's, it's more of a family resemblance than the exact same thing as neoliberalism. Yeah, I mean, I think, but, yeah. I, 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 if we're going to, I, I, th- I think they got absorbed into the neoliberal bubble yeah. insofar as like, like they're, they're, the Ordo Libs are, the, are where the neoliberals got the sort of like, we need to have like an international bureaucracy like mm-hmm. sort of legal bureaucracy from yeah. like Hayek is also like heavily involved. Yeah. But that, that that's, that's a whole other story. But yeah, like it, it is, it is encouraging to me that it's like, I don't know, yeah. like the, like the, the, the it, it really does seem like in the places where the liberalism was born, it's like, it's starting to come apart. Yeah. And you know, I, I yeah. know people, people have been predicting the death of neoliberalism for like long. Well, almost as long as I've been alive, but yeah. I don't know this, this like, the fact that it's happening in these places seems different yeah. than it, it the does other seem times significant. Done it. It, it, I think it is significant. I think I'm. Ex- I am cautiously excited every time. I hope something bad happens, but I am hopeful now. <laughs> and you know, it, my brain isn't magic, so it, there can't be a causative effect there. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like, you, you are the second person I've interviewed from the UK who actually seemed to be, like, somewhat optimistic about the direction it could possibly be going, which mm-hmm, is the first time mm-hmm. I've heard that in, like, I mean, I guess there are people who are optimistic about Corbyn, but yeah, I don't know. This is this is the first sort of, like, signs of that since, 
I don't know, a long time. And I think, yeah, look, like if I was saying this to the American listeners, like if Turf Island isn't doomed, then we're not doomed either. Mm. Like, it's, I don't know. Here's what I can say: is we're, I, you're overtaking us on the. On it's the true. And the, the the, the, yeah, we have. Yeah, uh, I, I um, yeah, I don't know when this is coming I, out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, man. Like, there's a lot of ways the UK is better than America. Oh yeah, the space. US like is it's a it's a real disaster. Like it's it's but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're both equally bad in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think the things the things that like people in the US look at England say this is awful and the things people in the UK look at the US and say this is awful. It's uh it's kind of a a, a child looking at their parent and being pissed <laughs> off at them and a child and a child and a parent looking at their child and being disappointed in them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's like no no you both suck it's just fam- family <laughs> resemblance it's a we hate us for it's a narcissism of small differences like yeah uh, between the u.s and the uk a lot of the time yeah but yeah yeah um i guess do you have anything else do you want to say about the strikes i think the fact it got this far is incredible mm-hmm. there's so much further that needs to go um i'm really excited and I'm really scared. I think this is a potential for like a turning point round, both for the NHS, but uh, for my profession for nursing. And also like in general, in the context of the wide strike range for the UK. But, you know, the higher the stakes, the higher the perils, like this is our, I think this is our fight to lose essentially. Like, I think if we do it, if we go seriously and like the membership takes control of it from like the lead from the union leadership, which is very cautious, which has been put put into position of being more militant of like unprecedented militancy, almost by accident, while trying to appease the membership, we can achieve something incredible. But it's really the book's open; it can go either way. And like, I'm excited and I'm terrified by it. Yeah, if if people want to support the strikes, uh, where where can they go? Is there a strike fund they can donate to? Um, yeah, the the RCM has an open strike fund. I would invite anyone listening to donate to. I would also like find the articles about the petition that have been going around, like the mining of the RCM leadership takes a, a stronger stance, and like just share that around generally, create more cool. visibility on that. Yeah, um, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll put links to both of those in the description. Yeah. Uh, those are the main things I would suggest. Again, the national nature of this struggle and the fact that it's not even really against our direct employers makes it harder to talk specifically about this thing or that thing in some ways. But yeah, those are the two things I would ask. Like The bigger our strike pot, the easier it is to like argue for more aggressive action. And the more visibility there is on that petition, the more it'll take a lot more than a petition to like shift things to the roots to be in in the forefront and the leadership position of this. But it's something that will make people feel more empowered, put more pressure on the leadership. It's like a small stepping point towards what we need. I'd also like to recommend a book to anyone who wants to find out more about the history of the NHS and the current situation in it. Some comrades of mine, like from a group called the Angry Workers, and also uh, Revolution. Oh, I always forget the other group they did it with's name. 
<laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, anarchist communist group wrote uh, and Healthcare Workers United, which is like a network I'm involved in. I put together a book called Sick of It, which is like a collection of workers' inquiries and reflections on the NHS, its history, its potentials, and what and it and stuff. That's really a great book. Sadly, not available as an e-book, but it's it's an excellent read, and like it will tell you, it will give you a real insight into what the NHS has been historically and what it is now for anyone who's interested in that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, the angry workers are really cool. By the way, they're on Twitter. I yeah. probably should have. It's probably just angry workers. Yeah, yeah. It is. Oh, 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 oh wait, no, I'm wrong. I, it, it's it's workers. It's at workers angry. I think. Wait, no, uh, is this the right one? No, it's uh, yeah, it's at workers angry. It is. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> workers yeah, angry. I, I'm not on Twitter. I don't. I don't know about these things. <laughs> Uh, it is it is a cursed place. Um, yeah, getting more cursed. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you want to find us at Twitter, we are uh, at Coolzone Media. Um, yeah, we're also on Instagram. I, I'm i told we're on Instagram. I don't have one, so I don't know. I This is what mm-hmm. I've been being told for many years. If we don't, uh, don't tell me. Uh, yeah, and thank you all for listening, and... Yeah, go do your own strikes. Uh, make bosses' lives miserable. Please, the more strikes are going on, the more people want to go on strike. Hey! It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.